There were people that were This is the parasha of Pesach Sheni. There were some men that were defiled by a nefesh adam, by some Thomas Mace. It's Machlegas and the Gemara uh, about who exactly we're talking about. Some say that these were cousins of Maish Rabbeinu that were or relatives of Maish Rabbeinu who went in to get Nadav and Abiyu when they were killed uh, in the Beis HaMikdash, in the Mishkan. Others say that it was um, people that were carrying Arena Shal Yasef, the coffin of Yasef. Others say that they, these were people that were Tame Mace, but they were not able to bring the current Pesach. This is talking about Era Pesach. It's the second Pesach in history. The only time that Klai Yisrael as a whole kept Pesach after Pesach Mitzrayim in the Midbar, only one year. And so this was era Pesach, when everybody was busy shafting or making preparations to shaft their current Pesach. These men, they felt that uh, they wanted to also, but they weren't able to because they were still Tamim. So what happened was they came before Moshe and Aaron. By Yikru Aaron, they came uh, in the presence of Moshe and Aaron. So again, let's just go over this pasuk, at least the end of the pasuk again, and you'll ask the question that I asked to myself. They were not able to make this carbon pesach on that day. And then it says, the same Pasuk, So the question is obvious. Why is the Pasuk saying twice, It says already that they came on that day, and that they were not able to make the carbon Pesach, and then it says again, on that day. So what's the redundancy in the Pasuk? So... I was thinking that Rashi says, Rashi says, what were they doing? Where were Moshe and Aaron when they came, when these men came to them? So Rashi says, Moshe and Aaron were in the base Medrash learning, and that was the point in time that these people that were Tomei Lanefesh came to ask Moshe and Aaron, we want to also bring a car and pass off. Why are we being denied the opportunity that everyone else is to bring the car and pass off? So to that, and then Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, went to Hashem, and Hashem answered them and said, you can bring a carbon, not this month, but in a month's time, you'll bring a Pesach shame. But it's fascinating that Moshe and Aaron, when this question was posed to them, were found in the base Medrash learning. Why is that so fascinating? That's, you'd expect that, right? They're, what else are they doing? But if you think about it, this day was Erev Pesach. How many Kaihanim were there in, to do all of the Avaida for all of the Karbanis? There were 600,000 men, probably an equal number of women. 600,000 men were from 20 to uh, um, to 60, right? To 50, to 60, um, 22, 60, 60. So, right, and then there were older people, there were younger people, 
there must have been millions of people that needed to bring their carbon Pesach on this day. And, and whose job was it to shaft and to do the all of the Avaida of all these carbonists? It was Aaron, Aaron and his two sons. Moshe Rabbeinu, no doubt, was very busy that day also. Yes, they had asking all these Shilas about, it happened to have been Arab Pesach Shechalias B'Shabbos. You know, there's so many, we had that this year. They, the year that, this year, that that year that they were, that Pesach Shein took place in, Chazal tell us it happens to be, because we know this because the Miluim, um, the Rosh Chodesh Nisan that day was a Sunday. Chazal say that very clearly. It was Yamrisha and the Mice of it was a Sunday. So if you do the calculations, Arab Pesach that year was a Shabbos. So even when Arab Pesach falls on Shabbos, you could bring the carbon Pesach, you can check the carbon Pesach on Shabbos itself. The Mayade we So there was tremendous amounts of Shilos that were no doubt being asked how to destroy the Chamids appropriately. Meshrabena was the Paisik of Pal Yisrael. So this was a day that was arguably the busiest day for Mesha and Aaron of all, because it was Arab Pesach, they had to shech, and they had to paskin, and they had to deal with all of Pali Yisrael's many issues, and had to do the Karim Pesach properly in the Mishkan with the different groups, and the whole, the whole Mesechus Pesachim was, was coming Lamaisa that day. A short day, how, how, long, how many hours was it that day? From Chatzais and on, they have to start being busy, bring the Shechem and Karabesach. In the mornings, they were probably davening, they were doing their Avedah, they were... And yet, the Pasuk says, amazingly, that by Yikru Aaron, they came before Meish and Aaron, Rashi says that they were in the base Medrash learning. To me, that that's like an, a mind-blowing thing. That on that day, of all days, that you'd think that Moshe and Aaron could take a break from their Chavrusa shaft and say, listen, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll reconvene, you know, tomorrow. We'll have plenty of time on Yantif or whatever. We'll, but right now, we're busy. We're busy. We don't have the ability to uh, to learn right now. We have Karbanis. We have things to do. When? Even on that day, on that day, most busy day in Klai Yisrael's history, maybe, Moshe and Aaron found time to be Kabei to mental learn. It's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful lesson, I think, that the Barish is telling us. Yes, they weren't able to make the Karm Pesach, but focus on Moshe and Aaron. On that day, that's a tremendous Moser Haskell for us all because we're very busy. We have busy lives. Baruch Hashem, that's a good thing. We're busy with, with school. We're busy with, uh, with internships. We're busy with uh, family. We're busy with uh, a lot of things, and that's all very good. But as busy as we are, we're not as busy as Moshe and Aaron by MO. And if Moshe and Aaron were able to carve out, I don't know how long it was. It might have been 10 minutes. It might have been three hours. Whatever it was, they were able to carve out time by Yaimahu on that day, on that busy day, they found time to be Kabei Itim, then that's a machaya for everybody. Baish and Aaron also, by the way, they didn't have to learn so much. I mean, they knew everything. It's like Rukhaim Kanievsky. I think the most inspirational thing about Rukhaim Kanievsky is that he learns so much even though he knows everything. It's one thing if I learn a lot. I don't know anything, so I'm learning, so I have to, to know a little bit. But 
if let's say I would know everything and I'd still be able to do every day, you know, seven vav babli, seven vav yerushalmi, sifra, sifri, taiseftas, vayars, whatever, whatever, every day, even though he knows it, he knows it cold. But yet he's kaibeya itim, not itim, most of his day, if not all of his day, is, is learning, besides for the time that he davens and spends, you know, dealing with people's issues. That's very inspirational. Mesh and Aaron were, were the Makabli Tyra, they were Gedele Yisrael, they knew Tyra a billion times better, I, I imagine, than Rechaim Penyevsky, and yet he was, they were also Kaibeya Eaton. They said, we have to be Kaibeya we have to make a time to learn, and we're going to learn. This is our Seder. I, but Kla Yisrael, and Aveda, and Karim Beslach, and people coming in and out, Shailas, that's, uh, that's very nice, but we still have to be able to sit and learn every single day. And of course, that's a, that's a very big lesson for us going into the summer uh, when, although we have maybe more time, but we feel, you know, maybe we need to chill more and that's fine also, it's good to chill. But if we want to have a meaningful summer and we want to come back and Elul, you know, still primed and ready to learn, then we have to make sure every day to be kaveit and we have to make sure to find time and regardless of what we're doing and if we're working or we're in school or we're learning, whatever, we have to, we have to be, make sure that we have a kvias every single day. Um, and how, how long that is, is depending on you and your schedule and your abilities, but everybody must be kavei itim. Um, that's something that I think we can definitely learn from this parasha. I have one other thought on this pasuk of what the bayemahu is, and I, I'd like to share that with you as well. Who are these people that we're talking about? So they were great people, no doubt. In fact, Rashi says that that, Megad, that this parsha was really supposed to be said by Harsinai. Pesach Shein should have been given to us with the rest of the Torah. Why wasn't it? Because Megalvin Zakai, that Hakadosh Baruch arranges that Zchusim should come via people that are worthy people. So these people were obviously worthy if they they weren't, but. At the same time, and this is a lot of the Svarim HaKadoshim use their situation as a metaphor for people that are Tameim and Bader for Faika. Um, and that's what they were. They were Tameim or they were maybe Bader for Faika. But what it means homiletically is that there are people that are sometimes Tameim. They're not on top of their game. They're not acting in a way that's always Bitar or Bikdusha. They're there for Chayka, maybe they're a little far from God, they're a little bit off the Derech, they're a lot off the Derech. And look at what they're able to do. They're able to go into a base Medrash, and they're able to walk right over to Meishan Aaron, who I think if we were in, in a 20-mile radius of Meishan Aaron, we would probably burn up from their Kedusha, like imagine what they were, I don't, you know, it's hard to even imagine. But they were able to go in, people that were Tameim and Bader for Faika, they were able to go into a base Madrash, and Mesh and I were sitting and learning there, and they were able to go and approach them and ask them the Shiloh. That's also, I think, a very, very incredible thing. There's a story that's told about the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim had a Talmud was a big tzaddik, his name was Revelio Dushnitzer. <laughs> and he advised this Talmud that when he goes to Eretz Yisrael, 
he should look up the lesson. He should go in and go to the lesson and schmooze with him and talk to him in learning and just have anything you can to do with him. Who was the Leshem? The Leshem was Reb Shlema Elyashev. He was Reb Elyashev's grandfather, paternal grandfather. Reb Elyashev grew up on his lap. He basically learned a lot from him as a, as a child. And in fact, I think the Leshem writes in one of his many svarim on Kabbalah that he, you know, he speaks about his grandson who was a teenager then and how, what a godly he is and how yeah, how I think he's so proficient in Chachmas and Nistar. Um, you know, we, we know Rabbi Yashif for being the Pesach Gadar, so we think, okay, he's, he's in the, we categorize him in the Halacha group. We don't look at him as a, as a Mekobol, but Rabbi Yashif was a, a great Mekobol. He got a, he got personal Messiah from his grandfather, Veleshem, who was arguably the, the greatest Kabbalist of his time. And his Sarim, it's called Leshem Shvay Ba'achlama, which are the names of the stones on the chayshin, on the uh, on the on the breastplate of the Kain Gadol, and he's just known as the Baal HaLeshem, the author of the Leshem. And he was at Sadiq Yisrael by his Levaya, like the, the people they buried him on Harazesim, and supposedly, you know, from eyewitnesses, like the heavens opened when when he was being transported to his final resting place and there were rainbows and things were happening in Shammai. It was like a very evident event that that this was a this was a very holy person. So the Chavitz Chaim said that I want you to go and visit the Leshem and spend time with him. He says because in this world you're able to do that. But in Eilam Haba, when you after we all die, he says, the Lashon of the Chavetz Haim was, He's going to be so elevated, he's going to be in the upper spheres of heaven, so high, that the Chavetz Haim was including himself also in this. Can you imagine the Chavetz Haim? You, know, you think he gets the skybox in Shemayim, right? The Chavetz Haim is saying about the Lashem, that the Leshem is going to be so high that we're not going to be able to see him in the next world. He's going to be so distant from us. And I was thinking that, you know, it's amazing that this Parsha is saying that there were people that were B'derefrechaika, there were people that were Tamei Lanefesh, they were not obviously maybe in the, in the highest ranks, at least homiletically, they were not who knows what in terms of there were there were definitely Zakayim, but you know more than that we don't know. But in terms of the ability that they had to go and enter a base medrash and communicate with Meisha, communicate with Aaron, just seeing their faces, to be able to be in their mechitzas, that itself I think is a, is an amazing concept if you think about it. And that also, by it's only by is on that day, meaning in this lifetime, that's the only op- opportunity that we have to, to have such close pressure with Gedei Yisrael, with great people. Because it's not going to be so simple. You know, we don't know. Hopefully, if we, if we do what we should in life, then we'll get able, we'll, we will be able to be on a very high level. But you can't assume it. 
can't assume it. So if in this world we're able to walk over to a, a gadol and shmooze with them, get a bracha from them, talk to them, that's that's an amazing opportunity. It's only by Yemaho. That opportunity is an opportunity that you only have. It's like one of the perks of Ilam Hazad. One of the things that we get to do in this world, then we're not assured about in the next world. You know, to be able to, uh, you know, I was able to go to Shir by Rishon Hazam and Arabah. I mean, it's crazy. It doesn't make sense that I was able to sit in the same room with them to see him. It's only, it's only by Yemaho. It's only by Yemaho that a person can do that. You know, to go over to Rabbi Feinstein, you know, and, and, and shake his hand. And it's, it's not a normal thing. But you're able to do these things. That's another thing that we learn from these two words in the Pasuk. So we learned two lessons from this Pasuk already. Number one is that, that you have to be able to be Kebeya eaten. That even on on that busiest day of Klal Yisrael, when they have to be makar hundreds and thousands of carbonists within a short amount of time. It, it took them probably seconds for every carbon. Carbonists are not easy to shop. You got to get the animal in the right position. You got to, you know, get the knife sharpened. You got to get the kabbalah ready and the, the dam and spritz it and do whatever you have to do. It was an assembly line with three people on it. When the, when the, when the Mishnayas and Sochem speak about the assembly lines that took place by, uh, uh, you know, in the base on Mikdash background, there we already had thousands of Kayanim that were able to pass the buckets back and forth. Here you had three Kayanim, you had Aaron, and you have Elozer and Summer. That was it. They had to do hundreds and thousands of Karbanas, BMO, Maisha had to Paskin Shilas and whatever else he was doing in the base on Mikdash, and whatever else he was doing in terms of. And they were able to be Kavei Itam on that day, by Yemahu, on that busy day, Maisha and Aaron were found in the base Medish learning. Lesson number one. We must be kaveh eatim every day, regardless of how busy we are during the year and, and, and through the summer. Lesson number two is that in this world, we have to chaperain, and when we have an opportunity to see Anosh and Gedalim and to learn from them and to, and to see them daven, to see them learning and to, and to be in their mechitzas, we have to chaperain because it's a limited opportunity. It's an opportunity that happens by Yemaho on that day, meaning in this world, we get that opportunity to walk into Beis matters to interact with a Meishen, with an Aaron, but it's only in this world. In the next world, I don't know if we'll be able to see Rufan Kanievsky in the next world. We're not going to be able to see Shmuel Kamenetsky. We're not going to be able to see certain Tzadikim. It's, they're going to be in, in Ilamis that are, you know, I may have asked them, but they're going to be in Ilamis that are way above us. So here in this world, we see it when we have an opportunity to spend time or to listen or to watch. It's a tremendous opportunity. There's one other thing that I wanted to share with you this morning. And that is that Meshur Rabbeinu, when after they came and they presented their case to him and they said, Lama Nigara, they were full of gaguam, they were full of, of desire to bring this carbon Pesach. And they weren't allowed to bring it this year, and but this this month. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu made a special provision for them that okay, you're gonna have a Pesach Sheni, and in on Yud Dalad Iyar you'll be able to bring a carbon Pesach of different halachas. You don't have to have chametz rid of your you know in your house. You can have chametz, can eat it with chametz. You can have chametz around. It's a different, not all halachas are identical, but it gave them a second chance to 
Makayim the mitzvah that they wanted to do so badly. And before Meshur Rabbeinu gave them an answer, he said to them, Imdu stand and listen to what HaKadosh Baruch was going to command to you. So Rashi says, like I said before, that really this carbon, this parsha should have been given with Matan Taira. Because it's a chalik of Taira. It is, it's a chalik of Taira. It's like one, any other Taira Gitzvah. Karm Shani's wife, Shani's one of the Taira Gitzvahs. Why was it given this way? But what was happening here was that Moshe was really bringing down another chalik of Torah right now. It's called Pesach Shein. It's a new parish of the Torah. So I was thinking that maybe that's why Moshe Rabbeinu says, Imdu Ashma, stand up and listen to what HaKadosh Baruch commands. Because what does standing up mean? Standing up means that we're going to experience now a miniature Maimon Harsinai. Maimon Arsina was done standing. The aim of the year of Reses B'Zeich, as I'll say that we were shaking, we were we were in awe and reverence of 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 Matan Taira. It was a very it was a once in a in a in a in a you know once in a I was going to say lifetime, but it's a there's only one Matan Taira. That's it. But here, Meishu Rabbeinu had to tap in to that very sight of Matan Taira because another part was being given here. So Imdu Ve'eshva, you have to stand up and get ready, ready yourself, because right now we're going to re-experience, reenact Mount Tairah in order to bring down this parsha. And that's exactly what happened. Akash Prophet says to Meshra Rabbeinu that here is the Alachas and Taka, there will be a Pesach Sheni, but it was all within the experience of a of a new Mount Tairah. And perhaps that's why. Moshe and Aaron were found in the base Medrash doing what? They were learning. When this parsha was presented, when this question was put to Moshe and Aaron, what did they do? They were found in the base Medrash. They were learning. You know what? It had to be that way. If they were, if they were just some walk, taking a walk in a park, this parsha could not have been given. Only when you have the right atmosphere of Kabbalah Satera, only when you have the right Ema, the Yira, the Reses, the Zaya, the fear, the trepidation, the trembling, the Maimed of Harsinai, which was the learning of Meshach and Aaron, only then can you really expect to bring down a new law into this world in, a, in, in the atmosphere that's necessary to wrote down. They had to be learning. It had to happen that way. If it was any other way, they could not have tapped in to Maimed Harsinai. And every single time we sit and learn, even though we don't realize it, every time we sit and learn, we are reenacting re- Mount Tyre. There are so many uh, beautiful Chazalin and Baruch about this, about how um, it says, first of all, a person learns with his grandson, Tyra. It's like you, you're, it's like you're reliving Mount Tyre. You're giving it over to your grandchild. That's an extension of Mount Tyre. When a person, the Pachidzlag speaks about it all the time, how a person, when he learns, he has to understand that it's Kinesinasa, that Taira is being re-given again at this point. It's an amazing thing that we are Zaycha every single day to opening up our Gemara and re-experiencing Matan Taira. 
And so it had to be in this in this ambiance of Indu Veshwa, stand up, ready yourself, understand what's going on. And this is us a lot of different things. First of all, it means that we have to uh, learn, when we're learning, it has to be in a certain frame of mind, in a certain posture, that we understand that what we're doing is holy and it's special, and we have to look that part, we have to act that part, we have to feel that part. It's not just another subject, Tyra. Tyra is, is, is life, and Tyra is Kedusha, and Tyra is Maimon Arsina. Right now, when we're, when we're speaking Tyra right now, it's a Maimon of Arsina. It's a reenactment of Arsina. We're not standing, and we, we should be standing, but the Mary Darshan that you know, Yard of but really, rightfully, when you when you learn, you're supposed to be standing, you're supposed to be shaking, you're supposed to be trembling. When you're in Shir, there are Chazal that say that you're supposed to, your lips are supposed to be trembling when you're in Shir. That's the way it is, the way that, that's the way the terror was always given, Midar Ladar. I want to just end with a um, with a with an important insight uh, on this topic about how we have to understand the kedusha of Torah. There's a pasuk in the Vim that's it's a pretty famous pasuk because there's songs that were made that were put to the word to these words. And it sounds like a beautiful pasuk, and I imagine that's why it was put. They use these words in, in songs. Hine yamim ba'em Hashem. Behold, days are coming, says Hashem. Bishlachti and I'm going to send a famine in the world. What type of famine is coming? Loy It's not a famine for bread. You're going to have plenty of food in your refrigerator. Beloit There's going to be plenty of water. It's not a famine of water, it's not a thirst. You're not going to be physically hungry or physically thirsty. It's going to be a famine of hearing the Dvar Hashem, of hearing the word of Hashem. So it sounds like a good, a good, a good Pasuk, right? But this is a very bad Pasuk. In fact, there's a list, I think you'll find it at the beginning of Rus, in the Targum, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, where it speaks about so I think there were 10 great famines in history. One of the famines was this famine that the, that, that the, the Navi speaks of. That it's going to be a it's a, it's a famine of you're going to be famished to hear the Hashem, to hear the word of Hashem. So the Panavit Shirov asks a great question. Why is that so bad? Why is that a famine? That's, it's not a physical famine. We have food, we have water, we have drinks. So it's a it's a famine to hear the darshan. That means we're going to be thirsting and 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 hungry to hear Hashem's word. That's a beautiful. That's a halavai. We should all be thankful for that. We should all feel like we wake up in the morning. I'm hungry. I need I need a, you know, like Rabbi Gifter used to say that ich bin mit bronfen, ich bin mit tayra, be a mit bronfen, which means that I am to tayra like a like a drunkard is to his bottle of, of whiskey. I'm addicted. I'm 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 always a, a drunkard. Never said okay, I had enough. Thanks. I, I need another shot. You'll never see that. Go back to the bar again and again and again, and they have right. That's because you're 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 intoxicated. You're shikker. You're addicted. Somebody that's on drugs. They never said okay, I had enough. I already had my my wine for the day. I, I'm good to go. No one says that. You get you want more and more and more. 
So Rupiftia says, that's how I am with Tyra. I'm, I'm like a shikra. I need, I, I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm addicted. I need, I, I always need a safer. I always need more Tyra. I'm always listening to, you know, whatever people, I, 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 I want more. So that's a beautiful thing. What does it mean that, that you're going to be famished with Var Hashem? Why is that a bad thing? So the Pani says the following part. He says that, you know, sometimes we are, uh, let's say we go into breakfast. And, uh, and let's say the bagels weren't delivered fresh today. Okay, so we have a one-day-old bagel, and it's in the plastic, so it's not terribly hard. It's edible. But what would we do? If, you know, I just have cereal today. I don't want the bagel. What's wrong with the bagel? It's hard. It's a little. It's a little. It's on its way out. You know. Or let's say there's. Let's say the milk is. It's not totally spoiled. It's somewhat, but it's not. It's not perfect. We're not going to drink it, right? We don't want to get sick. We don't want to. It's understandable. But that's only because we're living in times of plenty. We don't need it. We're not that famished that we need to have a bagel that's a day old or two days old, or we don't need to have milk that's a little bit on the way out. But Rahman let's say people in the Holocaust. So do you think that if they had a two-day-old bagel, it would say, sorry, we're, we're going to pass. They, everything that they ate was, was probably a week old, two weeks old. They didn't have fresh food there. They had, they were, they were given coffee. I have, I've heard people like report, like, you know, sounds out great. They were given coffee. And the coffee, it was like, it was like, like nine-tenths was hot water. And there was a drop of coffee in there. Drop. Mom, it wasn't coffee. It was like hot water with like maybe a little thompsis of, of coffee. They were given spoiled potatoes. They were given spoiled vegetables. Everything was spoiled. They weren't given fresh food. But they weren't particular. Because you can't afford to be particular. You don't have the luxury of being a mafunic when you're when you're in a, a concentration camp of Manuel When there is when you're living in a time of famine then people are not particular with what they're ingesting. You take whatever you can. You just want to live another day. So let's live another day. I'll put spoiled milk in my stomach. I'll put a rotten potato in my stomach because it gives me the nutrition. I don't have the, I don't, you know, it's, hang on, it smells a little funny. I'm not, you don't have that luxury, unfortunately. People that have that luxury, it means that they're living, you know, large. If they're living large, you could say, you know, spill off that milk. I think it's a little bit old. But if you're, if you're, Famines, if you're if you're famished and you're 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 hungry, so then you're not particular. Panavishirov says that we'll be living in time, says the Navi, that we are so hungry for Tyra that we're not gonna be particular in the sources that we get Tyra from. When we are on a on a on a level that things are good, then we're very particular. We're not going about where tires from. Sometimes when you're so hungry for Tyra, you you know you take it from anywhere that you get it, and that's a horrible thing. Says the Panavitra. That's that's one of the terrible famines of the world. That's a that's a consequence of famine, and that's what we're going through in our day and age. People are hungry for Tyra. People of Baruch Hashem has never been more Tyra possibly in human history than there, has, than there is now. People want to learn. They do. But because they want to learn so badly, they go and they, 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 they're not particular in what they're ingesting. 
They're not particular as they should be in where they're getting their Torah from. And very often the source of the Torah is are places that are, are very dangerous. And just in a very extreme example, I just saw uh, on one of the news uh, sources uh, yesterday, I think it was two days ago, you know, they keep finding these, uh, these people in Eretz Yisrael that have these, uh, these shuls and they look like regular Jews and rabbis and Hasidim or whatever, and really they're missionaries. They're missionaries. They, they're basically scams. They have, uh, they're being funded by some you know, missionary group. They completely dupe everybody into believing that they're, you know, they're Abanim and that they're, and, they, and people go to them and really between the lines, they start, you know, telling them about Yashka and telling them about other religions and opening up their minds and, you know, into to other, to other things because of, because we're living in times of, of Rav. People, they want, why are they going there? Because they're hungry, they're thirsty, they want, but they're, they're not particular or they don't, here maybe they're being uh, duped into not being particular. But what I'm really trying to, uh, to speak about is that a lot of times people go and they get information, they get Tyra, not really Tyra, but they get information and Hashkapa from sources that are not appropriate. That's why it's always important, like when you buy a safer, to look at the uh, Haskamas. Because if it has Haskama from, from a couple of good Yudayim, Rabbanim, whatever, so at least you can hopefully be Saimachan. Not always, or sometimes they, you know, they dupe the Rabbanim into giving Haskamas and, and then afterwards they have to retract. But, but at least by and large, you know, you, it's safe, it's, you know, if our school, Puts out something. Hopefully, it's 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 approved and it's good. And if Feldman puts out something, if Israel Bookshop, you know, there are people that are that that are, for the most part, reliable. But then there are books that are very unreliable. Not just that they're unreliable in the sense that you know that they're not written by people that are right to put out svarim, but they are very toxic because they're reading things and it gets into their brain, whether it's certain hashkafas about, about Gedalim in a negative light, certain hashkafas about, about Tyra and about Kedusha and about Tyra Misinai and about what we hold, the Yud Gimel Ikrim that we hold so precious and it sort of undermines the Yud Gimel Ikrim, whether or not it's a physical book, whether or not it's a, it's a, a website, whether it's an email, whether it's uh, you know a radio program, there are so many different methods that that guys use, and they mean well. They want to they want they want to be open minded They want to get more and more chachma into them. But Rabbim Chavolam Yipila causes so many people to go off the derech. It doesn't mean that they're mechal shabbos necessarily, but it plays with their brain enough that they have it sows seeds of doubt and it, it, it creates, it spawns a lot of problems for them. A lot of problems for them. When we learn Tyra, Tyra has to be learned with a Messiah from a Rebbe who had another Rebbe had another Rebbe. If you, you can't get Tyra from sources that are without, without a Messiah, because sometimes they're fine. It's on a lot of, most of the thing I get, you know, you get it, you print out a parchment sheet. You know, if they're quoting other people or whatever, maybe they didn't get 100%, but it, it, it can't be that bad. 
But sometimes if you don't know who the parish sheet is from, and you just, a lot of times there's terrible hashkafas in these parishes, the, you know, David and a minion, and they had somebody just printed out dozens and dozens of these parishes, and, and he would like, you know, it was like an in-house minion, he would like, you know, just hand it out like cards, and like, and a lot of it was just either like Fira, Apikorsis, people that had an axe to grind with Gedeirim, and, you know, it's a pasture sheet, so okay, so how bad could it be? But it's really bad. If you read this stuff week after week after week, and you're not discerning, and you don't have a filter for what you should be looking at, and everything is fine, everything is tired, everything is, is beautiful, it's a very dangerous thing. It's a slippery slope. And and I can tell you personally, if you think that I'm just like, you know, speaking at him, you know, this is something that I have seen personally in Yeshiva, many, many guys that have really been badly affected by this. A lot of times people come to me and say, Rabbi, I don't really know if I believe or whatever. And I say, listen, I'll talk to you all you want about this. You know, you have questions in Amun, you have questions in Ashkaf, you have questions in Yerushalayim and in Tarami Sinai, you have questions, fine. But just ask, I, I always ask them, did you imbibe in, in certain websites that I'm not gonna talk about problem, but like, did you did you go to the, yes, nine times out of 10, maybe 10 out of 10 times, you know, they were influenced and affected by certain either books or magazines or websites or newspapers or, or shows or tapes or CDs or whatever. And you have to be very, very, very careful in what you, what you, it has to be Maimon Arsina. Taira has to be Kinesinasa. It has to be in a certain posture with a certain responsibility and only from sources that are pure and with a Messiah. If it's from out of the box, they might be very good speakers. They might be very convincing and very, you know, and it might even sound, they might use yeshivish sounding words and they seem like Mishavanu, but they're they're doing missionizing. They're, they have an agenda. They want to be able to get people to, to question and to second guess our Messiah and our Yud and our belief system. Why they have that agenda, you know, it could be a million reasons. And, you know, they probably had a, a bad experience themselves with growing up and a rabbi that, you know, wasn't nice to them or parents that, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. Maybe they, they felt that they, you know, that they were masculine and they were able to figure out the truth on their own, but that's not our truth. And we don't believe in, we have to make sure to be like those people they came and they, this isn't, you know, this parsha itself is a very dangerous parsha. You know, the parsha of Ezefreni is a parsha that a lot of people use as a, as a raya that you could be innovative with Tyra. Right? These people, they had, they had, they didn't, they weren't happy. And they went to Maisha and they protested, they picketed, Lomani Gara. And, you know, and Mela, they, and they got through the door. They were able to make, uh, make progress. And a lot of people say, ah, these are people that were, you know, obviously see that things are a little bit more uh, elastic than we think they are. That's absolutely false. Rashi says that this is really a part of the Torah. Why wasn't it given to them? But don't believe that, you know, because, you know, people want to paint certain things as a riot to their movement their agenda, to being progressive, to being open-minded, to being open, you know, that's all hazard trade. The guy might be a rabbi, might be called a rashiva, might have a, it's, you have to be very, very careful because there's a tzama with Bar Hashem. We're living in times that Bar Hashem people are eager, they want to learn. But where you get your information from is paramount. 
you have to be so discerning and then some that I will not look, I will not, I'm not interested because once you start looking and reading and experiencing and, and, and exposing yourself to other things, it's a dangerous thing. It doesn't mean to say that we don't have a response to them, you know, and that there's no answer. There is answer. Just, you know, it's, but don't, why, why open up, you know, questions when you don't have to? Questions are not always good things. Sometimes questions are just going to make you crazy because there aren't always so easy answers to everything that people ask, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't follow in our derech of Amun and believe in HaKadosh Baruch believe in Tayyar Misinai, and, and live and die for it. And so this is basically uh, one little parish in the Tayyar Pesachini, and I think we've learned three great lessons to go into the summer with, to be kaveh itim every single day, regardless of how difficult it is to understand that it's important to spend time with Gedalim and Tzadikim because it's only by him who it's in this world that we have that schos. And if you're able this summer to go and visit big people and, and wherever it is, and so chaparai, do it. You're not going to get that opportunity uh, forever. And finally, that when we learn Taira, it has to be maimed harsinaitik. It has to be with kinesinoso, with like the Taira was given, be'emah, the year of the Ressas, the Zaya, Imdu stand up, accept the Torah with a certain reverence, embrace the Torah with a, with a love, and make sure that whatever you're learning has to be with a Rebbe. The Rebbe has to be responsible, the Rebbe has to be reliable. The Sarum that we read, the, the, the books that we read, the websites that we visit, everything has to be made sure to be with the Messiah. Because with an Adversaira, it's it might look good, it might smell, but it's not good. It's very, very dangerous. We're going into a summer, we have a lot of time, too much time in my opinion. You know, two and a half, three months is way, way too much time for the biggest tzaddik in the world to survive without being an yeshiva. But, you know, people that are not the biggest tzaddikim because we're human, we're Americans, we're buffering, we, you know, it's a dangerous time. I mean, the worst thing about, about you know, about our our year is that we have such a big gap in the summer. It's too much. It's way too much, but that's the way it is. But that doesn't patter us from learning every day. It doesn't patter us from maintaining a Kesha with our Abayim and to go around and, and try to visit Gedalim and Tzadikim and, and gain from them. And finally, when we learn, and we have to learn a lot, but when we learn, it has to be with an Ema, with a Yira, with a Resus, with a Zaya, with a Yerushamayim, and, uh, and, and when we're able to do that, and I'm looking around the room, and you talk about tzaddikim. If you're here on a Friday, Memorial Day weekend, you know, and it's not surprising, it's the same island that's pretty much here the whole, the whole year, and I, I very, very much appreciate it. It means more than you'll ever know. I know that it's the zeitgeist, the, the, you know, the momentum is to leave Thursday night and to come back whenever. And, uh, and the fact that you stay here, I'm sure a lot of you go home for Shabbos and you still stay. And I know that it's because, you, you know, you're fine, Bachram, you're fine, you know, and, and you should all be good benched for, uh, for all that you do for Yeshiva, all that you do for me, all you do for Kal Yisrael. You should have a mitzvah shemul piram. We're not ending, but if this is the last shmuz, it might be closer shmuz. So if this is the last shmuz, then you should all have an amazing summer. You should be zayfet to because of your dedication to Tyra that you all have, Shrizaifa to just Shtaig La don't waste a day in the summer, Khaparain and get
fuller and fuller of Tyre of Yerushalayim. So when you come back in Elul, it's not like I got to get back to Yeshiva. It's like I was in Yeshiva the whole time. It's fine. I'm, it's not like a huge jump. And in the midst of Hashem, we look forward, you know, next year to continuing our relationship, continue giving over Tyre, to continue to, to share Tyre with one another. In the Hashem, you know, these are exciting days ahead for all of you. You know, this is the best time of your life. Big decisions to be made, major uh, milestones in Mitz Hashem, and Mitz uh, Hashem will look forward to celebrating one simcha after another together. Have a wonderful Shabbos.